This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Data shows the Great Resignation is still full steam ahead. We learned earlier this week that a record 4.5 million U.S. workers left their jobs in November. The service industry, transportation, healthcare, and social work saw some of the biggest losses. So why do people continue to switch jobs at such a high rate? Where are they going? And what does it say about the labor market going forward? Joining us now to talk through what we know is Matt Notawadigdo. He's a professor of economics at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. Welcome to Reset, Professor. Hi, thanks for having me. What were your initial thoughts when you heard people are quitting their jobs in, in record high numbers? Well, I mean, I think the first question I always have is, are they are they quitting to go do something else? Or are they quitting to leave the labor market? And all the data I've seen indicates that this is mostly what we would call job-to-job transitions, people voluntarily quitting their job to go do something else. My, my colleague, Steve Davis, does, really doesn't like the great resignation term. He calls it the great reallocation. These are workers moving between jobs, choosing to do something else as the economy recovers. Is this something that we should be concerned about? Well, I think the bigger concern is, is not the churn or this reallocation. I mean, the, the American labor market, is, there's, all, there's lots of people changing jobs all the time, both in recessions and in normal times. You know, my, my concern is not the quits. It's, my concern is more the fact that we're still short about 3 million jobs from prior to the recession. Those jobs are in a lot of the sectors that you just mentioned, healthcare, leisure, you know, recreation, entertainment, restaurants, also state and local government. So I'm, I tend to pay more attention to what I think of as, as like a job shortage, not the quit rate. You know, the fact that workers are quitting their job to do something else voluntarily is usually a sign that the economy is in pretty good shape, right? That people are, are they have options. They can choose to do something else. So when we say that people are quitting their jobs, does it mean that they're leaving the workforce altogether? Well, like I said, I think it's, you, want to, you want to track them and figure out what they're doing. Are they quitting to leave the labor market? Are they quitting to do something else? And the data that I've seen indicates it's more quitting their job to do something else. What, what, what we're seeing in the data right now is that there's still people that are reluctant to rejoin the labor force. They're still sitting on the sidelines. And I think that's the people that we need to focus on to understand you know, why, why we're still so many jobs short relative to where we were prior to the start of the pandemic. And, and can we pin this to the start of the, the pandemic, or were the numbers ramping up before? No, I, I think that you know, there's been gradual trends in, in labor force participation as our country gets older, people leave the labor market. But, but what really changed during the pandemic was that people left the labor force and still haven't come back. You know, it's the thing that I, has caught me the most by, by surprise. I, I expected the unemployment rate to recover quickly because we saw early on that so many people who were unemployed were just on temporary layoffs. So I predicted that the unemployment rate would come down quickly, and it has. What I didn't expect is that you'd still see so many people reluctant to just rejoin the labor force. They're still sitting on the sidelines. That, that, I, don't, that, that I, I did not predict. Mm-hmm. Well, one thought that uh, our producer had was that, you know, there were things that people couldn't talk about at work before, but it, it's now more socially acceptable to talk about, like racism and sexism. So could people these days sort of demanding, and in some cases having more options to have more equitable working conditions, could that be a factor in so many people leaving their jobs? I think it's possible. I, I, I haven't seen a lot of direct evidence on that, but I'll, I could speak from my own experience um, at a university. You know, I have lots of friends at universities all around the country. You know, it's, it's people are quitting university jobs to go do something else or they're moving between universities. And I think that that's related to a lot of the churn that we're talking about here. So give us a 
breakdown of the, the kind of people making the jump? Is it men? Is it women? What's their background or socioeconomic status looking like? Well, I, in terms of the, the reallocation that we're talking about, it seems pretty broad-based. So men and women are changing jobs at about the same rate. Um, it's hard to get racial breakdowns, um, but like foreign-born versus native-born, so it's like immigrants versus non-immigrants also seem to be changing jobs at about the same rate. You know, again, if I just think about my own experience at the university, I, I have this sense, it, it's a, you know, a vague sense that the women and minority faculty are the ones that are really reconsidering whether this is the best place for them, and they also seem to have the most options. They're getting phone calls from other universities that in this moment are really trying to diversify their faculty, and so it makes it hard for our, our university to, to try to retain our female and minority faculty. Mm. Any idea from what you've seen so far, Matt, when these numbers might even out a bit? Well, on, on, in terms of like the worker shortages, I, I think it's just all, as it has been from the beginning, just tied to the pandemic. You know, the shortages in these sectors that I mentioned before, it's, these are, it's a service sector. You know, it's, it's not going to get back to normal until the virus completely goes away. Um, in, in healthcare, it's a little harder for me to, to make sense of, I, I, I do research in healthcare, and this has caught me by surprise. Healthcare workers leaving their job and, and doing something else, it might be hard to get them back. And that, that's, I, I'm, I'm worried that that could take a long time to recover. Matt Nodawadigdo is a professor of economics at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. Professor, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Let's continue the conversation about the Great Resignation by bringing things a little closer to home. Good morning. I'm Noel King. I'm Audie Cornish. This is Code Switch from NPR. I'm Shireen Marisol Meraji. This is Weekend Edition from NPR News. I'm Lulu Garcia-Navarro. Those are a few of the most prominent journalists to announce they're leaving the network in recent weeks, all of them women of color. Media reporter Paul Fari has been following the turnover at NPR for The Washington Post. Welcome to Reset, Paul. Thanks for having me. Paul, is there a common thread to why not just these big names are leaving public media, but also other journalists of color behind the scenes? No, I don't think there is a common thread. I think there are several threads, though, and uh, we can talk about those, of course. Uh, but uh, obviously, uh, the great resignation is part of this, that people having other opportunities elsewhere and they're going to them. Uh, but part of it is also the culture within NPR and public radio. Uh, I think there is a, a undercurrent of great dissatisfaction that is reflected in these, you know, departures uh, of these prominent people and people who are behind the scenes as well. You know, the technicians, the producers, uh, the journalists who don't get on the air. And and the problems that they're facing, this goes to the, the journalists leaving local stations as well? Yeah, there's uh, some of that as well. Um, you know, this is a period in which there's been an explosion of opportunity within the audio journalism business. Reduce it to one word, podcasts. There are many, many, many podcasts, some uh, better than others, obviously, and some uh, better produced and hosted than others. So if you are an audio journalist with some experience and some talent, uh, you've got some opportunities right now. And I think uh, we're seeing a little bit of that. Uh, for instance, uh, Lulu uh, Garcia Navarro, who you quoted at the beginning there, she went to the New York Times to start a podcast there. 
Uh, we don't know where Audie Cornish is going, but I would suspect she'll end up doing some other something like that as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, Noel is is gone uh, with Vox, working on a uh, podcast that's right. as well. That's yeah. Right. Yep. Uh, so so there are some similarities in, in where they're going once they leave NPR. Yeah, I mean, these people are well known and they're talented and they have a special set of skills that are very marketable these days. Um, And so they're taking that opportunity. But, you know, the real question is, is why you would want to leave public radio and why NPR in particular. And I think that then gets down to individual uh, situations and perhaps the feeling that uh, they weren't given opportunities or that they were stifled in their creativity and they're finding another place to exercise their their talents. And, and remind us how NPR has responded to this. Well, NPR says basically good luck. Um, you know, behind the scenes, though, I know NPR has tried very hard for a very long time to recruit uh, journalists of color, and uh, it's done reasonably well over the years. It's also uh, given many opportunities since its beginnings 50 years ago to women, uh, not necessarily women of color. But to women, uh, some of the founding mothers of NPR were Susan Stamberg and Linda Wertheimer and Cokie Roberts. Um, and they're very proud of that. And they should be because many news organizations uh, did not give opportunities to women. Uh, in the last 20 years, they've made a push to really expand the number of um, people of color, women of color who they put on the air. Mm-hmm. Michelle Norris, who's now at The Washington Post as a columnist. Uh, was the first host of All Things Considered back in 2002, the first uh, woman of color to be a host on All Things Considered. So, you know, from there, you the the, the field has expanded somewhat. But now the pendulum is sw- swinging back. They're losing some of their most high-profile uh, women and uh, women of color, and it's a serious problem. So you, you've mentioned the exodus is, is about uh, a growing audio industry, but... Is it also about the experiences that journalists of color have had at NPR? Yes, I think that's exactly right. I mean, uh, since I wrote that story, uh, heard many, you know, off the record comments uh, from people saying, uh, you got to know what my experience has been like over here. Um, I feel diminished in many cases. I feel stifled in many cases. Uh, I feel like there is a power structure that diminishes my efforts to expand what uh, we do here, and um, I feel boxed in. And I think that is uh, uh, one of the threads that uh, we are seeing now in the departure of some of these high-profile people. Speaking of threads, Audie Cornish, uh, all things considered, she took to Twitter yesterday and uh tweeted quite the thread. Uh, her last day is today with the with the station, but she clarified that uh, she's leaving on her own terms and without resentment. Uh, but she did point out um, issues of, quote, pay equity, cultural exclusion, problems of recruitment and retention. And she also said that hiring managers and executives, they've got far more work to do. Does she have a point, Paul? 
Yes, she has a point. Um, you know, she's saying this isn't my situation. I was the host, the co-host of the highest profile show on the air for several years. Um, but I recognize that within the ranks, these problems exist. And, you know, in, in Adi's case, it might just be a, a reflection of burnout. It's a very difficult job, as you know, uh, to be a day in and day out host. Yes. Uh, but, you know, behind the scenes, there are lots of people who make the Audi Cornishes of the world look good and do a lot of the preparation and production that, uh, that goes into a show like All Things Considered, mm -hmm. a great show. And, you know, you don't see the day in and day out uh, dynamics of working under those conditions. And, and, uh, and a lot of those people left as well. That's right. That's right. Again, we're, we were only talking about the people whose voices you've heard on the air, not yeah. the people behind the scenes. So in other words, they work under conditions of great tension anyway. Uh, when you lay over it, the, the, the racial dynamics, um, is sometimes it just becomes untenable. In NPR's uh, response, they talked about the, um, competitiveness uh, of the other organizations. How much does that factor in? When you say competitiveness of other organizations, you're talking about the marketplace now. I'm talking about Netflix. the marketplace. I'm talking about the money, too. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't really know about the money, but I do know that there are many other opportunities. Netflix has an audio division, Audible, Apple, The New York Times, The Washington Post. We're all competing for uh, people who have production skills, who have uh, vocal talents, who are good journalists uh, to, to develop audio programming. You know, this is the direction, podcasting is the direction uh, of the audio um, journalism world. And you know, over the air broadcasting, which has been the place and the really the only place for many, many decades, is now just one among the many uh, ways in which people are going to get audio programming. And, and obviously, um, the people who produce that, the people who are good at that, yeah. have have a value in the marketplace. NPR has uh, taken pride with efforts, though, to diversify its on-air voices. Uh, Morning Edition's Noel King was just replaced by Leila Fadel. And uh, before that, A. Martinez joined that morning lineup after host David Green left back in 2020. So, But it's also yeah. clear that the organization isn't doing enough to keep their major talent. Um, remind us of the issue if they do leave, Paul. How does that impact the image and the listenership of NPR? Well, think about this. Um, in daily programming, uh, you develop a relationship with your listeners. Um, they know you. They think they're friend, you're their friend. Um, they have a relationship one way or the other. When those people disappear, people begin to wonder about their relationships. And um, it's very difficult to develop um, the kinds of skills and the kinds of relationships that hosts on the air have over time. And uh, it's not just uh, a bunch of words. It's not just a bunch of facts. Um, people think they know you and um, it, then you disappear. Those relationships have to be rebuilt. So this kind of turnover uh, for television or radio or any other uh, media organization becomes very damaging uh, because uh, it, uh, it it harms the relationship with the audience. As a reporter who covers the media industry, Paul, the same one in which you work, what do you think your responsibility is in telling these stories? 
Well, I think they're good stories. First of all, I think, again, because people have these kinds of relationships with the media organizations that they follow and rely on, um, that they want to know what is happening within these organizations. Um, you know, I think writing about NPR, for instance, in public radio, at least for the Washington Post, is a great um, uh, line of you know inquiry because the people who read the Washington Post are huge listeners of public radio. And, um, you know, the, the story we're talking about today about, uh, you know, Audi leaving uh, NPR was the most read story on the Washington Post uh, uh, the day before yesterday. And mm. so, um, you know, there's a great deal of interest in what goes on within media organizations. And, and that's what I cover. Yeah. And in her thread, uh, that Twitter thread that she posted yesterday, she said, you know, the media reporting on this issue uh, in general has been to treat each as a problem in isolation. And that's just not the case. Well, I, I don't think we treated it in isolation. We tried to cover as much of the waterfront as we could and to show the pattern of departures. And, and look, NPR knows this is a problem. They, they understand this is a problem and they've been trying to deal with it, uh, for, uh, several years now. Um, John Lansing, the president and CEO of NPR held a town hall meeting uh, last month and got a lot of uh, pushback and a lot of commentary from the staff about this. So uh, NPR knows it's a, it's a big deal and, and is trying to address it. Before I let you go, Paul, what can other industries take away from what's happening at, at companies like NPR with their employees of color? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the answer is listen. The answer is, um, you know, try to take account of what your workforce is telling you and get ahead of the problem before it becomes a problem. And, you know, good companies, not just in the media, but good companies everywhere, attempt to deal with what their employees are going through, the working conditions, and, um, you know, try to get ahead of it. And and I, I think NPR certainly is not sticking its head in the sand. It's trying in some ways to to uh, to address it. Uh, whether they will be successful, I, I don't know. Paul Fari is a media reporter for The Washington Post. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.